Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are here in the afternoon of day two uh, here in Raleigh. Uh, Move the uh, massive studios out here to all things open here in downtown Raleigh. Um, Josh? Welcome back to the show, helping me host this afternoon, and uh, glad to have you back. Thank you. It's and a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, we're, we're lucky. You know, we've been hitting a lot of different topics uh, while we're out here, you know, everything from data science and big data and things that we don't cover a whole lot of. We did 3D uh, printing this morning. Uh, we're going to get back a little more to what we, we tend to do uh, around here. Uh, we're excited to have uh, Chris Short, Global DevOps Engineer from SolarWinds with us. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, so you you are actually, give us a little bit of your background, but you're actually sort of a true front lines DevOps engineer. You're living this stuff every day. Yeah, like I'm not talking about it or much talking about it yet. That's um, right. So my background is I was actually, uh, actually worked for a small dial-up ISP in the late 90s. And then dot-com bubble hit, joined the Air Force. was in the Air Force for 11 years and got out. Jumped back into the open source world and been doing that for the past seven years. Currently uh, doing DevOps for SolarWinds MSP here in Raleigh. Yeah, nice. So what does that what does that mean DevOps these days? I mean, so you're part of a of a you know SolarWinds people know what they do. They're in mm-hmm. they're in management and system management. Um, but what is what are you doing day to day? So day to day, SolarWinds acquired my company, which used to be called Logic Now. Um, it's now SolarWinds MSP, so I don't know where it falls in the whole corporate umbrella. Yep, but yep. Um, <clears throat> the, 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 the day-to-day is working on the various products we have. Uh, there's two of which that I'm working on the most right now. One's a remote management platform. The other is a mail delivery platform, but it's not like the Gmail, mm-hmm. Office 365. It's, not, it's yeah. not MailChimp. Yeah, it's like that go in between for like marketing but not marketing maybe spam cleanup that kind of gotcha. thing so you know delivery success mm-hmm. is what we're after with that product so i mean day to day it's you know there's it's devops there's some firefighting there's some working with developers to fix things there's you know one off um kind of issues that you have to eliminate technical debt from right and that's a lot of what i'm doing right now okay so you know, if you were in the if you were in the dial up ISP days, uh, that's mm-hmm. a lot of you never know what's going to happen day to day, and we, oh, yeah. we we all know the screeching modem, and you're like, damn it, it worked or it didn't work, and yep. then you get in the Air Force. Um, oh boy, you you've got you've got a long list of stories, but I mean, you were deployed out with Iraqi Freedom, you were out mm-hmm. in the middle of the desert, um, and now you're back doing this stuff. Like, give us a sense. Uh, you know, the DevOps community likes to talk about like what the perfect enterprise business environment should look like right. you've got military which is a whole different sort of uh, mm-hmm. you know way of looking at things C- compare and contrast some things for us so you know and when, when you land in the middle of a desert and you're given a tent and a bunch of equipment to put together and make blinky lights do stuff to go drop bombs on things it's it's this is all you get right like the chances of getting something else is like days weeks away potentially so you, whatever you do you just make it work right yeah. if you have a problem you figure it out if you have some weird one-off thing well you find a workaround and it's got to be based off what you have with you right um you know here now in this day and age like if you don't have a tool or something you need uh you go to github and you install it and off you go and oh you want to tweak things you can tweak it and then commit that back upstream so it's like a completely different uh dichotomy from the military days but 
the the one thing that remains like consistent throughout is you know processes make things better all the time right so in in the world of the military where it was like semi structured but when it really mattered you just got it done you always step back now and say okay how does this fit into a current process and do we need another one mm-hmm. potentially where back then there is either a process or you were just winging it right right uh, but a lot of, I mean, you guys were doing a lot of, a lot of practicing, a lot of documenting things, a lot oh, of yeah. there's, you know, so, structure and process. And um. so, yeah, I mean, the we've the there's two funny things I've seen as far as like let's follow the process the military gave us, and you know they've gone horribly wrong. Um, <clears throat> we're doing a practice exercise in Tampa, Florida, on MacDillard Air Force Base there, and. Uh, we set up a microwave radio link between two locations on the base. And mm-hmm. it's just line of sight, you know, right. stand up a tower, a little radio antenna on top, off you go. We were having a problem communicating between the two sites, so they just kept increasing the wattage and increasing the wattage and increasing the wattage. And Until eventually trees yeah. got set on fire, like <laughs> somewhere midstream there. Birds flying out, falling it, out of the sky. Yeah, I mean, the scrambled eggs bursting out of bird's nest and stuff. So it was, you know, it was like, okay, what did we do wrong here? We didn't do anything wrong except for account for pine needles. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sorry, it was dry. There's nothing in the manual about dry conditions, and obviously you could set things on fire when you point large microwave bursts at it. Right, right. So that's by the book gone wrong. Another scenario is um, I have a picture of myself in uniform <clears throat> sitting in a communications closet on the, the base formerly known as Pope Air Force Base down in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And I'm sitting in the communications closet, and the reason I'm sitting is because I'm sitting on a toilet that's underneath, like, a $3,000 Cisco switch for this building. So, like, one bad plumbing mistake, and this building goes off the network. Like, all <laughs> services gone because we were so, using VoIP and video over IP and everything. So which came first, though, the toilet or the switch? The, the, <laughs> the chicken. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the toilet was there first, and they're just like, oh, yeah, we need some place to put this thing. Fine. There was nothing in the, you know, nothing in the manual about, hey, one switch on one shelf – should not be put in a water closet or, you know, electronics and water don't mix is like common sense is not common is what I tell people when I show them that picture. Yep. It just doesn't compute sometimes. Right. Yeah. So, so you're, you know, you're, you're back in the the sort of real world. Um, you, uh, we were talking before you're now starting to get out and speak at some of the, the events you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're out at DevOps days, Detroit. Uh, Josh tends to be at lots and lots of the DevOps days. I'm curious, both of you guys to sort of, you know, what are you seeing at these events these days and compare and contrast it to your, your, your day jobs versus, you know, kind of what's, what's being, you know, taught and educated to people. So what I'm seeing is there's no such thing as like a mature DevOps organization. Everybody's trying to do it as best as they can with the things that they have. But as far as like, Hey, Greenfield DevOps, there's always this legacy piece hanging out there. There's always some thing that can be done better but everybody's just trying to do a little bit better every day. So the mm-hmm. continuous improvement process is what I'm most interested in. And it's not necessarily tools, it's not necessarily culture, but it's just a combination of both that's going to drive uh, organizations and companies into the right directions, what I'm observing. Yeah. I, you, I mean, Josh, you and I were talking earlier. Like, you, you have this, when you go and talk to various DevOps things, I mean, it's very much about sort of, less kind of purist about culture it's about sort of just get things done right your job is to to get home at the end of the day or make it work like uh, what do you see i mean do you feel like there's the devops community is over rotated on culture and hugs and and empathy or is it 
is it just a different way of presenting things and approaching things? I just don't want to get paged, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I had an opportunity when I was in London uh, recently to talk to Patrick Dubois, who was the one who kind of coined yeah. DevOps. Yep. And in that conversation, you know, I, I kind of asked him, like, kind of what led you to this? And he basically was talking about how he really wanted his job to be a little bit easier to, to deal with, bring the stress level down, just have better better outcomes yeah. you know, with, without you know, losing your hair and adding gray. Um, and for me, you know, having spent, you know, a decade plus advocating automation and doing all these things and make life simpler and be more consistent. And, and it's really interesting for me now to see this framework where people are like, Oh, well now I know how to apply this in a framework to your point mm-hmm. where it's continuous improvement, yeah. right? It's, you know, because even though everybody's always pushed automation, pushed automation, pushed automation, now we're in a situation where we can kind of do a pull mechanism. It's like, let's pull you in, let's do a small incremental improvement. Mm-hmm. Like, and that conversation I think has been, uh, been really interesting and kind of seeing how people are uh, applying that. And, and for me, you know, it's, it's less about, you know, where you were and where, where you're ending up and much more of to your point, how do you actually get something done? Uh, I, I think when you mentioned over rotation, I, I do think that there's a whole lot of conversation about, um, you know, culture and how to get started and things like that. And, uh, you know, whenever I have those conversations, it always starts with, well, start by showing success, make an improvement in something that everybody agrees is a problem that has a known value at the end and just go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and I wonder sometimes if, if the DevOps community, the, the sort of hardcore is, is becoming a little bit like the, you know, sort of the vegan CrossFit, like, well, you don't do it well <laughs> enough. So you're not really in, I mean, it, what, what do you, I mean, so you're, 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 you're in DevOps I mean, you do right. DevOps. Like what, what is your day-to-day stuff? Like if you, if the word DevOps didn't exist, like you're doing just efficient sysadmin types of stuff, but how much of it is, how much of it is dev versus ops maybe? So, I mean, a lot of what I do is a little bit of dev and a little bit of ops, right? So the, the way I look at it, cause even people on my team specifically say that we're not doing DevOps, And it's like, yeah, okay. How many, my sys- title says otherwise. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> it's like how many, how many, you know, sys admins do you know that like know how to use messaging queues? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm doing right now. You know? And so mm-hmm. it's, it, it's no knock on sys admins or junior sys admins that might not have that kind of, you know, distributed systems experience, but it is a level of systems administration that's beyond just, uh, you know, CLI, service stop, service start, yeah. config files, right? It is the, the integration of automation pieces as well as external services. Yeah. Now, would you, though, then say that that's more of a um, a result of the different style applications we're supporting now? Because, you know, your traditional system administration for what Gartner would call a mode one application, mm-hmm. you know, very legacy application, that's not disappearing no, you know, I mean, people are not. evolving from that, and they're trying right. to, to, to migrate away from that mm-hmm. framework. But, um, I mean, it seems to me it's more about the applications that we now support that require us to have that additional skill set. Absolutely. But a lot of that is transitioning those kind of yeah. Gartner level one, mode one, whatever they call them. Um, That's pretty <clears> much how I feel about them, too, by the way. But, yes. Yeah, so the, the, the old school monolithic, you know, stack lamp or Java running on mm-hmm. Linux kind of thing is – it's evolving, right? It needs to be, you know, horizontally scalable, for lack of a better term. And I rolled my eyes when I said that. But um, we could hear it. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, the the uh, the interesting thing is that the the development teams often I've seen are 
not outmoding themselves, but they kind of they, they they punch in, they log in, they sit down, they code, they code, they code, they solve Jira tasks. But are they learning anything new while they're doing that? And sometimes that's a problem, right? Like some developers just like nine to five develop. And yeah. They go mm-hmm. home and then they're riding their bike or they're playing with their kids or whatever, and they're not trying to necessarily evolve. So I think that's where DevOps really kind of can come in and sit there and say, you know, hey, I went to all things open, I learned something new. Feed it back into the system, or hey, I was reading on Hacker News last night, or lobsters, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and I heard about this, and I think it might help us. What do you think? And then you know, you end up with a developer whose mind is blown a little bit, but then the process improves. Yeah. So the the idea of you know a DevOps team is nothing but people that either dev or ops or combination of both. I mean, my DevOps team, we actually have a junior sysadmin on it. Yeah. Why? Well, because sometimes it's easier to say here. Here's a playbook that I wrote. It works. Make sure it finishes successfully everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, by the way, here's what it does. See if you can figure out some other problems to solve right. in the process. Or even better, take it a step forward. How can we improve this process? Bingo. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. and I think one thing that I've, I've run against time and time again when, when we look at DevOps and even software-defined for that mm-hmm. standpoint, you know, it's really about that feedback. Like right. how, how do you react once you get additional information about how things are behaving, how oh, things yeah. are operating, how things are moving, to either uh, adjust for that or to you know, create improvement from that? Right. Yeah, the, the most mature DevOps team that I work with, because each one of our products could have a development operations team us tagged along with their developers, and then the global team sits a, a, not necessarily above them but between them, Um they're doing some amazing things with their Ansible repo to where there's a make file that pulls all these different repos together and builds the testing frameworks out. So all you have to do is, like, you know, create a new branch, do some work, check it in, and you can either use Test Kitchen to test your playbooks right there on your box or push it up to GitLab and GitLab CI just knocks it out of the park yep. and can prove that your playbook's going to work in our environment no matter what. Okay, but here's the thing. Like, you, you just did the quintessential description of how like you've got everything working great how long did that take oh like it it took me a while to even learn how to use it when i first joined the company right like i was my mind was blown it's like hey we're using server spec we're doing this we're doing that and it's still in you know some evolutionary state because while we've done all this cool stuff like to get lab and everything else to do all this testing like our inventory is still 100 percent manual right right and we're using rackspace so like there's an api there we could use Mm -hmm. But we want, you know, differentials and grouping that Rackspace isn't really going to give us right out of the box. So the um, problem we're having is, hey, we have groups. Great. We actually have 700 groups for like 100 servers. Like that's a problem, right? Like, you know, so it's like you never really know, like, is this the right group to use? So we still have challenges. We've just dedicated time to testing first as opposed to maybe some of those organizational things that a lot of people spend a lot of time with at the beginning so it's just a matter of which problem do you want to solve first and which which way do you want to solve it best right i want to i want to rewind a little bit of what you guys just both said um so one of the things that that i i think sometimes comes across at some of the devops events or these events that you know these are really good experienced speakers they're mm-hmm. they're kind of living on the bleeding edge um you know there's always this like are you doing microservices and cloud native and all you you know like and, <laughs> and and kind of what i what i heard from you and and you know don't take this the wrong way which was uh 
you know, your application, at least one of your applications is, you know, related to mail, right. which is by no means anybody oh, would say cloud. Yeah. But, you know, there is now applications of using mail that a, uh, you know, people would like to get updated as soon as some transaction happens, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, here's a tracking number, here's right. the confirmation. Uh, but at the same time, if you can run an application like that, in a very cost-effective way. So you know, for example, that like, hey, every day at 7 o'clock, we send out blasts of tens of thousands of them, right. and then I could shut those down. So a lot of what you guys are doing doesn't necessarily always have to be uh, a, a new, modern, cloud-native application, but, but how you manage it from a cost perspective, from a consistency perspective, does allow you to use Ansible, use, use new tools, right. use DevOps sort of uh, philosophy and technologies and stuff. Is that... I mean, do you find a little bit of that, that you don't want to overwhelm people that, oh, you can't get started unless you're using sort of the, the latest and greatest? So I'm going to sound like Morpheus on this one. What if I told you AWS is expensive? So we actually have, uh, you know, a very hybrid kind of presence. Yeah. Um, our West Coast data center is, for the most part, bare metal. Yeah. Like, we're not even running VMs. We're starting to because a lot of our workload is getting a little bit more um, distributed. So we can use it better it's a big java app at the moment so we're breaking it up into smaller pieces um but yeah at 10 a.m every day we get a massive influx right and then like on tuesdays or something like the big marketing day we get a massive influx of mail and you know our application is having issues scaling as more and more customers come on board obviously that's a good problem to have right but i think we all like those problems yeah it's a great problem but it's you know when it's just that's what you do every tuesday it's like okay we need to fix this faster Right. So, you know, yeah, the, uh, the, the the notion of you have to be on AWS or you have to be in Azure if you're on Windows, um, it's not like, yeah, I haven't it's, heard, not a, it's not I a Bible. I haven't heard you say Docker one time. I haven't heard you say containers. I mean, I mean like, well, wow, I mean, how you're, could, you're running your business without those things. How, yeah, how could possible? you do DevOps without Docker? Well, we actually do use Docker. Oh. It's just local testing, yeah, right? Okay. I mean, I... Right, right tool for the right place. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll do a subtle plug. SolarWinds is hiring for somebody to come work on my team. And one of the questions I ask people is, what do you think of containers in production? And the, the correct answer is typically, we're not there yet, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not ready for prime time on like the large grand enterprise scale. Even though people are doing it right now, yep. like I'm trying to do that with my personal website is just go ahead, throw it in containers and be done with it, right? Yep. Move yep. it around as I see fit. Um, but the, 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 let's put a huge monolithic Java app in a container. No, not going to happen, right? You have to get from A to B. Mm-hmm. So you have to start splitting things up code wise and operationally so that that can happen and it can be containerized. But if you want to do testing with server or server spec and test kitchen, yeah, you can do that in Docker files all day. Right. Sure. Right. Well, one thing I've, I've seen that seems to be a truism as we talk about which technologies people are adopting and how they're doing it. And even from a maturity standpoint, uh, one thing that seems consistent to me is that that time to value, like everything is about how quickly you get what you need, how consistently, how, you know, you have this uh, level of trust that when you need something, it'll be delivered, whether it's a container or a virtual machine, whatever, like that, that seems to be the real metric for people when they, when they talk about whether or not, they're 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 being successful as they're moving forward like that they can trust that whatever they need to do is going to come out the other end right correct i mean that's not quite immutable or you know but sure getting towards that that standpoint and the biggest problem i think most devops folks have is do their priorities line up with business priorities right i mean 
unless you're, um, you know, at a Red Hat or like a Mozilla or Linux Foundation, like your business is probably out there to make a profit. Yeah. Like even Red Hat to an extent. Yeah, we enjoy profits. Sure, yeah. profits. So <clears throat> when you're when you're DevOpsing, I'm going <laughs> to make that a verb now. But when you're out there DevOpsing, um, and the business comes along and says, hey, we really need you to focus on X, and it's taking you completely away from building, you know, a new pipeline for delivery or something, you kind of get frustrated. Right. And that's fine, but the thing you have to realize is that that work is important, and you have to convey the importance of it to management to make them realize a little bit of effort here, while it might not make us dollars this quarter, is going to make us dollars for the next five. Right. right. And that's always been the the trade-off of, of automating anything. If somebody right. goes, well, why would I spend the money and time to do this when I can do it myself? And you go, like, it's you got to be forward-looking for it. Too. Absolutely. Well, and at the same time, one of the things that uh, I think, and I'll target IT folks, that mm-hmm. you know, we, we get very accustomed to talking about our problems and our needs and the things that we're doing and not necessarily been very good at understanding, like, well, how does our company actually make revenue like right. how do they make money yeah like you know i i deal with this on a regular basis as is even working for an infrastructure company when talking about like oh well, which integration should we do next i'm like does any of them help us make money right like that would be where i would start yeah. but you yeah. know um but yeah i think it's very common for it organizations to not understand how a company generates revenue and and how what they do impacts revenue and uh, that's actually one of the things that really excites me about you know, DevOps getting the cultural momentum that it has, like within our industry, because now we've got uh, this common like uh, conversation construct uh-huh. that we can have. Whether or not you're a business leader, whether you're a development leader, uh, site reliability engineer, right, sysadmin, man. like y'all, y'all had this opportunity to say, okay, like how do we actually impact one another? So to kind of bring things full circle from my perspective, is one thing I did learn in the military, which is very valuable to that point, is quantifying things mm-hmm. like every year i would have an evaluation and chances are i was doing the rough draft of the evaluation and handing it to my boss to like put the finishing touches on it or whatever and i would have to quantify like i did x it saved y and you know taxpayer money is yeah. safe right? right so you know bringing that perspective into an operations or development or a DevOps organization is very helpful to people because I can walk up to the CTO and say, hey, I need eight hours, which cost X based off, you know, my salary and benefits and everything else to do this thing. And it's going to save us all this time later on, which I can then quantify again into numbers. And they'll just sit there and be like, uh, yeah, do it. Yep. How much yep. does it cost to do it? Just man to power. That's it. Yeah. Let me let me ask one last question and, and we'll kind of bring it around to what both of you guys are talking about in terms of of the business relevance of this. So you just went to DevOps States Detroit and sort of say, this is the first time I've, I've given one of these talks. Right. What? So Josh, I understand why you go to all of them. It's part of your job. Um, <laughs> it has a little bit right, to do there's with a, it. There's a, there's a connected to, to money. What, what made you want to get out and talk? And then what, you know, what made it that your company is going to support you to, to being out there? So actually, um, one of the goals that uh, my manager gave me was, you know, hey, I want you to, learn a new language, and I want you to do a talk mm-hmm. on something, um, you know, something you're passionate about. And Well, okay, fine. I'm a veteran. Uh, I have to deal with the VA system. I'm also into technology, so I'm passionate about two things. How can I smash things together? For a while, I was putting out, you know, a draft talk for like, hey, here's how you use Ansible Vault in like the most practical way. It's mm-hmm. not as hard as you think. Off you go. 
Um, but then when I came up with the idea of merging the two ideas of DevOps and military service together, that's when I said, this, this could be a hit, and submitted the talk to a couple of different places, and DevOps Days Detroit was the first one that snatched it up. So I said, okay, fine, I'm going to do that. So my mentor or, you know, boss, however you want to call it, you know, he kind of inspired me to say, hey, get out there and spread a message of some sort. Yeah. So uh, the, the location of Detroit was easy because my wife's family's from there. So, yeah. you know, free yeah. room and board kind of makes it easy to convince the, 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 <laughs> yeah. the company to all buy, about buy a plane ticket. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, I mean, I missed the submitting to the uh, Ferrari by like a week or something. So that right. would have been the easiest point. So I picked the next one. So, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like I didn't want to speak, but it definitely made a lot of sense once I actually got the idea in my head to do it. Yeah. Well, and it makes a lot of sense for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, one, uh, you know, you're talking about you've got to be able to communicate to people about why to do something. So mm-hmm. it forces you to, to publicly be a good communicator or begin to get that skill. Um, you know, your high, you know, your company's hiring, so it's an opportunity to be out right. there and uh, you know, you know, spread the message. Spread yes. the message. Talk about doing cool stuff, and mm-hmm. and it's a good, you know, it's a good personal, you know, skill to get out. It's hard to get up in front of people and, and communicate stuff if Absolutely. it's not your your thing. So, well, listen. Uh, first off, thank you for your service to the country. Oh, thank uh, you. We don't thank you guys enough for that. Uh, but thank you for coming on. Uh, oh, it was no a good problem. conversation, Josh. Thanks for being here all day. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap up from uh, from all things open here in Raleigh. Uh, thanks, folks, for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.